Before I start, thank you for listening. This is the Ignition Podcast. Get ready to fuel your passion for cars and motorsport every Monday and Thursday. We bring you stories, valuable career tips and tricks that will help you navigate the automotive world. So don't miss out. Follow the Ignition Podcast now and join the drive towards becoming the number one automotive podcast worldwide. Let's embark on this thrilling journey together. Being able to speak to amazing people and release their conversations every week is such a pleasure. And it means so much to me that people like you get to listen to this every week. And the fact that you're continuing to listen means even more. But I wanted to ask for a bit more support. I've started a Buy Me A Coffee. You can go onto the link down in the show notes below, click and donate as little or as much as you'd like. It would help me produce better content, keep the editing up, and just in general have better conversations I can travel further and bring you better guests. If this sounds like something you'd like to help me with, the link will be in the show notes below. Again, thank you so much for listening. It's enough already. And so enjoy this episode. Having hundreds of thousands of subscribers racing cars around the world, doesn't that sound ideal? Well, when I started watching Super GT back when I was about 12 on Forza Horizon 2 and games like that, I marvelled at how these guys were able to make a living racing cars online. But what I didn't know is the story behind that end result, the person behind the screen. Steve talked to me about what he went through growing up and how he got to the point he is today. And if you want to know how to become a YouTuber or what is necessary and needed to do that for a living, this is the episode for you. For me, it's the the pursuit of perfection. No one's ever done the perfect lap, ever. But the idea that you're trying to refine everything to chase that perfection and just be better. And that could be against all the other people in the race, but it can also be against you, and it it never ends. Steve, uh, welcome to the podcast. How are we? Yes, very good. Been very busy recently, but um, been keeping well and got a bit more time to myself now. Um, so, you know, pretty happy. Fantastic. Yeah, it's, it's been nice to see, you know, been following for quite a few years and watching you go from, you know, sim racing to an Nürburgring. It's, it's, it's been quite a different sort of, you know, uh, journey to watch. Um, but I did have a question to start with, you know, if you could take that 12 years you've had so far and of all the experience you've learned, would you do anything again if you started differently? Like if you started again from like, 12 years ago? Good question. I think um, the only thing I would do is put more time into it earlier because, um, yeah, I started 12 years ago on YouTube, but I only really went full-time five years ago. So it's only been um, like a genuine full-time sort of thing for maybe six, seven years. So what I would say to myself if I could go back and give myself some advice would be put more time in a bit earlier. so 2011 to 2015, I was just doing it as a hobby. I wasn't taking it that seriously, but maybe could have pushed it a bit, a bit sooner. But given uh, my position right now, I'm quite happy with where I am. So um, overall, I wouldn't really change anything too much. No, fantastic. Yeah, it's one of those things that you know, being I guess being like grateful for what you've got, and you know, just you can't you can't change your past and. I don't know, I ask the question sometimes to figure out, you know, sort of, you know, if you tip stuff for stuff, people may be starting out and what they could learn from that as well. Yeah, um, it's definitely diff- uh, different starting now on YouTube. If you want to start a channel now and grow it, it's harder than it was when I did it uh, back in 2011. I think uh, if you want to do it now, you've got to be very consistent. You've got to have your own identity, your own brand. People will come to you because of your personality and the way that you do things, the way that you speak, the jokes that you make, the humor you have. And and then you just got to be consistent and understand to some extent the algorithm. You know, at the moment, if you're posting vertical content and that kind of thing, you're going to do well. Um, so you kind of got to understand what's going on and pay attention to that. But if you put in the hard work, be yourself, then you should make it. Hmm. Yeah, like you said, you're not you're not been a you know, YouTuber for yeah full time for more than five years. But I, I'm interested in where, where it started, you know, where the love for cars and most, but where they all came from. Yeah, ever since I was young, um, I've always had um, an inclination to to watch racing, to watch motorsport. Um, I've always like all of my toys were cars or vehicles, something along those lines. Um, and then my my dad would watch F1. I'd love watching F1 in the sort of mid and late nineties watching sort of Hakkinen, Schumacher, that kind of era. That's when I when I got into Formula One. And then 
I live quite close to a track called Butmore Park, cart track. Um, you go past it on the motorway, you can kind of look over and see it. I've always thought, I really want to try that. I really want to try racing. And on my 11th birthday, my dad bought me a cart and I started racing for real. Um, and then alongside that, I suppose I've been playing racing games since like, PlayStation 1 back in the late 90s as well. So that's kind of when it all sort of came together, my real racing and then watching Formula One and then playing racing games as well. That's when it all kind of started. Yeah, I know. So I have a similar sort of thing. I like I, I started karting at a young age, um, not to level of racing, but like you know, to, to turn up and drive. And I really enjoyed that, and like the competitiveness as well, like getting used to you know how a car handle and stuff, and like buying little Hot Wheels. Like every time you go to like a Asda or a Morrison's, like your, your parents like buy you a car and you add it to your collection. And I have this massive bucket. I don't know what to do with. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the same thing. I had a massive uh, red bucket full of cars, um, but my my go kart was one of my proudest things to have as a, as an 11 year old you know having a fully grown proper racing go-kart was pretty cool and uh i've, I've always loved racing I've, I've been racing for real since 2001 done it every year uh, since then haven't stopped yeah and getting into karting at young age i think it's great and do you know do you know why you know your dad, your dad bought you a car was there any reason for like you going straight into buying a car and, and and being able to you know explore it that way as well i think it was just um I just had a clear passion for it. I, I really wanted to race. I really wanted to be doing that. And I don't know. I th it's really hard to know now. I, I have to speak to my dad as to like why we really went into it because it wasn't cheap. Um, you know, I was one of four children. It's not like we had loads of money. It wasn't the richest family ever. So it wasn't uh, the cheapest hobby to get into. There's definitely other options that could have been a bit better on his wallet, but um it's certainly one that we both love together uh, so we turn up to the track and um it'll be a weekend for both of us to be together and to and to race so it was always um it was a nice hobby to do and you know i kind of miss those days actually of uh just being there with my dad for a whole weekend racing um th those were some pretty good days yeah and like growing up with with four siblings what, what is that like in a household because are you, are you the only car fanatic apart from your dad or is there you know, do your siblings share that passion as well um i was the only sort of competitive sibling so the other three they had their interests but they never really got into sport as such they never really did karting they've had a go um and you know i'm, I'm quite lucky that they're very supportive um i've had moments where my whole family have been at a race uh been supporting me and you know i'm very thankful for that uh, that they take an interest in my interest and uh, you know they come along they support they watch the videos afterwards they comment um so yes that they weren't totally into it they didn't do it themselves but they liked that i was doing it yeah that must be nice because i'm uh, my, my siblings don't, don't really know much about cars i kind of keep out of that thing and it's just like it's weird because it's my i don't know where my obsession came from because i'm the only person in my family who really like got into these things and really like, sort of dug down and hunkered in um but when you like when you talk like thought about you know karting as a your sport was it stuff at school you talked about was there a journey you, you did you have a conversation with people at school about karting because i know for me that when i talked about it there's not no one wanted to listen it was like a that's nice like <laughs> go somewhere else but um, yeah yeah I, i'd have a similar um story i'd suppose because i think karting and and racing in general is kind of maybe it's more popular now but i think back in sort of early 2000s when i was growing up as a teenager it wasn't very popular um so i also didn't have many people to talk about it with most people kind of didn't really understand it you'd have to describe it in a very primitive manner the things the questions i would ask would be very basic um so it wasn't always easy you know not everyone was into it but um i think as time's gone on more and more people sort of understand racing and it's a bit easier to have a discussion about it. and of course you you know times change you 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 move into different friendship groups that kind of thing and you 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 find the people that are that have the same interests as you and it's a lot easier yeah and do you have any friends from like school that you know you've grown up with and they, they stick with you and they kind of really like like what have watched you grow and stuff as, as a racer yeah luckily enough you know i'm still very close with a core friendship group i had from secondary school so we we left school in 2009 but we still we still talk a lot we go to gone to each other's weddings in the last few years uh, that kind of thing um so they've seen sort of this progression from oh steve was just uh doing some karting when he was 
younger and now okay he's a full-time youtuber and he's racing at the nurburgring like there's a clear story and a progression that they've seen and does it does it get weird between friends or is it still like steve you know back at secondary school do that does it do they do they change slightly around you sort of now that you're you know the channel's got slightly bigger it's okay to talk right well tacona is a brand that's changing mental health awareness i have always been one that's found it hard to talk and that my feelings well they weren't exactly best spoken once i found tacona and learned more about what lewis does i was amazed that a clothing brand is making people aware just with one simple logo. If you see a Tacona t-shirt, a shirt, a cap, a hat, a sticker, whatever it is, you know that person knows it's okay to talk. And because they want to help spread the message, Tacona is giving us 10% off. If you listen to this podcast, in the show notes below will be a link to the website, and if you use code EMISSION10, you get 10% off store-wide products. So, enjoy, and enjoy the rest of the episode. Maybe a little bit. I think this is just, um, I suppose, just in life in general, if you have something about you and you've done something and you've achieved something, people are very aware of it. Um, so yeah, sure. They, they're very aware that, you know, I've done these things, but, um, they'll be the first people to bring me back down to earth and just say, no, no, you're just Steve. You're just the guy we know from school. Um, so it's, it's a good to have that on the, on the flip side, you know, that, um, they understand it, but at the same time, they bring, uh, they bring me back down to earth. Yeah, no, it must be nice. It's like the, the core group of friends that keep keep you level, level headed. But yeah, I, I doubt like you see, you don't seem the, the kind of person that goes off and you know goes buys a Lambo and starts showing off. So, <laughs> not yet. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I mean, I do like cars. It's one of those things with cars. It's like now I've got a BMW M2. It's a nice car, right? But um, it's it's very much a car that you could look at and say you're showing off of that. But I don't know. I just love driving it every day. I love driving it. I love being in that car. If I was the last person on earth, I'd be driving it. So um, there's definitely two ways to look at that. Yeah, it's the same, same with all the cars available. If you're last person, that's, yeah, but it's a great car though, isn't it? You know, to the driver's car as well. Like it's, you're not just picked to anything to flash it. It's got a purpose, that car as well. Yeah, the M2 um, is very much a driver's car, as you say. Uh, I, I had a look around at different options, but that kind of car is, you know, manual gearbox, rear-wheel drive, good size it's not too big decent amount of power like 400 horsepower it just feels really good to drive it just feels amazing being behind the wheel of that kind of car so it was definitely an informed purchase <laughs> yeah um, i know we sort of digressed a bit but i wanted to get into sort of you know when you're let like, you know at school and you know we, you, you're kind of figuring out what to do like, i know that you know when i left school there wasn't a lot of support for me wanting to do having a career with cars i can't imagine what it's like you know when you're you know, filming videos for yourself or you're being karting, what it was like for you when you left school, like what your options were and what you were exposed to career-wise as well? Yeah, I've been thinking about this a lot recently, actually, because when I was at school, I was very much, I think I was a bit of a late developer. I had no idea what I wanted to do. I kind of knew that I liked cars and racing, but, you know, you're in sixth form, you're 17 years old and everyone's going to uni so you you kind of just have to go along with it. And I did just go along with it. I I applied to go to Hertfordshire University to study motorsport. And that was really only because the school kind of made you do that to make the school look good. You're going to go to uni. There's no other options. You don't get told about the options of all the things you could do. Uh, certainly by this point, YouTube wasn't really a consideration. I never really thought about it as a job so i go to uni i just didn't really enjoy it i must be honest i lasted a year and a half before dropping out i realized that as much as i like cars i didn't really enjoy studying the the inside of a car that you know the, all the integral insides and how that all works I, I i cared more about driving and so i kind of i've left uni i'm working part-time full-time in like low-end warehouse jobs really sort of minimum wage no skill um kind of figuring figuring out what the hell to do and kind of on the side I just thought you know what i'm gonna start a youtube channel and that's kind of where that started and it eventually grew into a full-time job of course but um yeah growing up you, you're not really sure i wasn't really sure what i wanted um 
because you kind of look around at every every other person in the world and you think oh they've got it figured out but really i think a lot of people don't really know what they're doing they all everyone's kind of making it up as they go along and you kind of put up a brave face and look like you know what you're doing but a lot of the time you're kind of just figuring it out and treading water and that was certainly the case with me in my teenage years and my sort of early 20s as well yeah and was there like a moment at university you went actually i've had enough you know i've thrown the gauntlet down and just was there a certain lesson or a class that you kind of went or was it just like a building up of you know i don't i'm not enjoying this yeah i don't think there was an exact moment but um it certainly built up over you know i completed the first year kind of got that out of the way starting the second year and i just i just couldn't get on with it i just did not want to be there i think that's quite fair to say i just didn't um feel comfortable waking up and going to a lecture i just didn't really feel felt i didn't really feel like i cared about it enough um so it sound it perhaps sounds ungrateful but like um i'm thankful to actually have gone to uni and i'm thankful that i left so i've actually no regret about both of those decisions yeah because I never went to university I was like my mum always told me like unless you want to become a doctor or a lawyer or a teacher or something or something vocational don't go and I think I thank her a lot for that you know bear in mind you can see it as like you know a, a mum or not supporting her child wanting to go to university but actually you know if I went to university I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now I might be doing something else I probably would have carried on that route um but yeah and Steve you mentioned like you know you you're doing that YouTube videos on the side and was there any reason you started you know, picked the camera up and started filming in the first place was there you know, was it just like an escape from the job or what was what was the reason for it? I think I've always had a, a bit of a passion for sort of creating and editing video. Um, something my dad always did. He was always using some sort of camera, editing and um, that kind of thing. So I think I get it from him, but I've always had a passion for creating videos. But I think the original reason was that I was playing online. By this point, it would have been sort of, Dirt 3, Forza Motorsport 4 in 2010, 2011, that kind of time. And then I was just having such good races. I thought, it's a, it's a shame that this isn't being recorded and just being put online, even if it's just for me, even if I could just watch it back. And uh, at that point, there was no one really posting racing games on YouTube. Maybe a few here and there, but no one really doing it consistently. So I thought, you know what? Okay, let's just do it. Let's just upload um some gameplay it wasn't even commentated i wasn't on the screen youtube was very different back then it was just a lot of like here's 20 minutes of a race and there's just nothing over the top of it and that's kind of where it started it was just um a little mini passion let's just upload see where it goes um no one else is doing it it's just kind of put some time in and just see where it goes and um quite quickly it actually grew um because as I say, there wasn't really anyone else doing it at that time. So it, it grew fairly quickly. Yeah. And I don't know if you remember your first video on YouTube, but I, I kind of went back and it was like a, he's the Hockenheim ring and you've done like a lap of it. And it's like a 115, which isn't slow. Let's put it, <laughs> it's, like, it's like you're going around there slowly. I think the, the going rate for an F1, this like this this year was like 111. And so, so you were clearly, you know, good at the game. It's not, a, you're not hiding, you know, you just, putting it out there and was that something you realized with the comments that came up or anything you're like oh you guys are quite quick or did you, did you get like a buzz off that sure i mean um i can't really remember the exact comments and stuff at the time but i've i've always felt like i've been quick on racing games and therefore um it, it makes it easier to upload videos and get a response from it so i've always felt that you on youtube you kind of need to be competent at what you're doing you need to be funny slash entertaining in some way um and if you can do those things you're going to get a, a positive response um so back then i don't really remember the exact comments that people were saying but um it was overall quite positive because um people were finding some racing footage that wasn't really in existence on youtube so um quite quickly you, you found an audience that wanted to watch that type of video so it was quite nice and i would say that youtube comments are obviously they can be very negative <laughs> i think that's quite clear but um i would say that positive youtube comments is, is one of the best parts of the job when people will say you know what i love this video this was so fun i've had a long day at work and this video brought me some peace today or it made me happy today and whatever it might be um, so that's definitely one of the upsides of this job 
Yeah. And I, I don't know if you mind delving it for a bit because it's something I didn't want to talk to, but it looks like we've come to a lot quicker than I thought we would. But, you know, the, the, the negative side of, and I'm not wanting to dwell on the negative. And I, 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 mental health is a big thing for me. I've, I've talked about it in the past. How has it been for you, like, going through the journey? Because I know that, you know, it can be weird having that much negativity exposed to you at one point. Yeah, it can it can be really tough. Honestly, it can be very tough um, to have a lot of negative opinion written about you, written t- to you on on YouTube comments, on Twitter, on Instagram, wherever it may be. And I, I think I've gone over many phases um, in the years that I've been doing this job. And right now I'm fine. Like People can write a, quite bad stuff and I, I i just got to a point now where i kind of just hide it hide the comment don't even acknowledge it and um so quite I'm quite resilient to it now but that wasn't always the case um it was definitely quite easy in the beginning to get quite upset about some of the comments uh, you know i'm not going to say exactly what people say but a lot of the time it's just a misunderstanding um i've always felt like i've tried to be reasonable and calm on my on my videos but not everyone's going to see it that way. That's one of the issues with the internet, which is you can make the most perfect and reasonable point. But if a million people listen to it, you know, some of them are not going to understand it and some of them are going to take it the wrong way. That's just part of what it is to be a YouTuber. You are going to have to accept 5 10% of people just not agreeing with you, not, not liking what you're saying, and then taking it a bit too far and you know, re- replying negatively. So something that you you learn over time to to respond to it in the correct way. It's very easy to sit there and have arguments with people in YouTube comments, going back and forth, going back and forth. But then you realize this isn't serving anyone. Um, I'm only wasting my time here by doing this. And I've just accepted X amount of people will not agree. X amount of people won't like this, even if it's absolutely fine. There's nothing really wrong with it. So I just accept it and it's just, okay, fine. I've got the view. I've got their view. They've clicked on the video. Thanks for the ad revenue. Thanks for the engagement with your comment. But I'm not going to reply. Just move on to the next one. Yeah, there's a there's a thing that I think um I don't worry about, but there's a quote saying you know it's better to have 20% of people like you and 80% of people hate you because you know there's 20% of people are going to make your life a lot better if you focus on the 20%, ignore the 80%. Like you're going to have a much better life doing that as well. Anything in life, really. I agree. I think I kind of touched upon it a moment ago with on YouTube, you find your audience or your audience finds you. And so it's basically a case of you make the content you want to make in the way that you want to make it. You know, you put your personality out there, you do it in the way that you want. And then, you know, if someone comes along and they don't like you, it's fine. Like you don't have to be liked by everyone on the, on the, on earth. There's 8 billion people. They're not all going to like you. Even if you're just an all around nice person, there's going to be someone who doesn't like you for some reason. So you kind of just have to accept it. Uh, that it's not going to be 100% of people on your side all the time. Yeah, and as you're going through this journey on YouTube, and because you're also, you know, you're kart racing as well, and you're also sim racing, you're doing a lot of stuff, like in terms of, as where racing goes on the side. How did the, how did the, uh, you know, the the separate careers kind of grow? Did you spend more time on one? How did did you view it? Did you kind of just do what you enjoy, or did you kind of have a plan in terms of, I'll do some karting here, do a bit of sim racing, and then film some YouTube? It was all kind of works itself out together. Yeah, I'd say that the karting always felt quite separate. I always did that um, as a hobby and it wasn't really related to my YouTube channel. Uh, so that was kind of, it always felt like a separate job, not a job, like a separate hobby. It was not related to YouTube at all. And that changed in, I think it was 2017 or 2018, maybe even 19. I started posting my karting videos I used to record everything anyway, just just so I could watch it back and like look at what I was doing right and wrong. But I thought, you know what? I'm going to upload it. I'm just going to upload it. And the first video did really well. People were like, wow, this is amazing. I, I really like this. I like that you're doing sim racing and you're karting in real life. Um, so those videos actually did really well. Uh, we're talking, yeah, 2019, 2018, um, my Club 100 karting. Um, so that's when that, where the karting world and the YouTube world kind of merged uh, that sort of time and it kind of went down a tree and people people really enjoyed it so that was really cool um and then that's kind of morphed now in the last two years into racing in cars 
and um so very much now sim racing my interest in formula one my interest in real racing is all kind of packaged in one big thing whereas in the past it was all kind of separate entities yeah and did you obviously because this is what so 2019 is two years after you've gone full-time is that make does that track yeah yes yeah yeah so i'm trying to work out my head um but yeah so at this point you know you've, you've decided to put more time to youtube when did you kind of make the jump from you know leaving your job like did you have like a chat with your parents your, your girlfriend at the time was there like a conversation you had with yourself what were the thoughts around it as well yeah so for me um i it trust me it took a lot of convincing in my own mind to leave a job where i was getting a reliable amount of money every month i'm not saying it was a lot of money but it was just above minimum wage but um it took a lot of convincing in my own mind to go wow i can actually leave my job and do youtube like full time like to me that was such a crazy idea that you could do that 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 was even a possibility and so sort of 2016 2017 the channel's building up slowly and um it was december 2017 i had a very good month where i earned three times more on youtube than i did on my normal job so i thought wow okay that it was a standout month and most months weren't like that i thought okay if that was every month i could easily leave my job um so at the start of 2018 i thought okay i'm gonna ask my manager if i can reduce my hours do a lot less by this point i was working as an auditor in a warehouse for a clothing brand it was just like managing stock levels and minimizing theft and looking at spreadsheets it was very boring so i reduced the hours and just spent more time on youtube and then only took another six months of that so june 2018 the the like for me it was a financial decision i'm earning enough from youtube like more than my job so it makes sense if i took away the hours that i'm doing at my work i could put them into youtube and then i should be able to earn even more so it, it kind of came down to a very sort of clinical financial decision am i earning enough could i support myself going on um and i was very safe with that decision because you never know of youtube it's very unpredictable it's very up and down um, so it took many months of consecutive good earning where i thought okay now's the time it was end of june i think 2018 hand handed in my notice it was a very good feeling to be able to say that you know i'm to say that wow i'm gonna go and try and make it on my own work for myself do do things on my own terms and uh go and become a full-time youtuber because yeah, it's, it's not a career that people you know that was not 2018 but it was, like, it was coming more popular but you know when you're like back at putting back at school like becoming a youtuber or you know filming stuff wasn't really a, a thing like and i think that you know the reason university is pushed on us and you look at sort of why it's a safer option is because you know we're all humans at the end of the day our parents wouldn't have seen you know there be an option for you know you filming videos and so they wouldn't have seen it as a career therefore you're like stop being silly and, and you know <laughs> get back and I'm, I'm sure you get those comments all the time from like well you had them growing up it's like what why are you filming videos is it a real career what are you doing stuff like that as well yeah i mean it's definitely true what you're saying um you, you're kind of always fed the safe option when you're younger it's like just go to uni get a job that's it but there are so many options out there to to become a content creator um i'm not going to say it's for everyone it is it isn't as easy as it looks it looks like you're just playing a game and then you upload a video but there is so much more to it i do way more hours now than i ever did in a normal job but um but i would say that i've always had support from my family they've always been supportive of it they've never really questioned it they never thought it was a bad thing um in fact both my parents avidly watch the videos and they're always commenting they're always messaging me oh, i really like this this video you just did or whatever it was um so I, I, you know i'm quite lucky in that respect that they never really um put me down over it they never questioned it too much they were just happy for me to do what i wanted to do and to chase my uh, chase my mm. passion yeah and like we'll talk about the, the, the sim racing stuff as well like because you've done some pretty cool stuff like you've raced with lewis hamilton like this is that you've stuff stuff that you've been in the race with him and stuff how did that kind of how did that side work i'm just like for you know was it like esports e competitions came up you entered how did it how did it happen for you there sort of the esports stuff yeah so when i raced lewis hamilton that was at a gran turismo esports uh, world finals event 
Um, and the whole thing came about kind of really with Gran Turismo. I kind of, I say locked in, but I kind of um, transitioned over to Gran Turismo Sport and kind of just became the biggest YouTube channel to play that game. And so when when you are getting the most views for a certain game, you're going to get recognized by the people that make that game. There's there's no question. And so it didn't take long for them to invite me to their esports events. I was by that point already going to the Forza esports events. And um, it, it took until 2019 and then they, uh, Polyphony invited me to New York for their um, Gran Turismo esports event. And, you know, it's basically a case of, um, you know, YouTube... And the things you put out there on Instagram, Twitter, and your YouTube channel and TikTok, that's your kind of your CV and everyone sees it. And even if you don't, even if you're not sure that people are seeing it, they definitely are. People, you know, people from these companies, they do pay attention. They are watching, even if it's not always clear. And so uh, you put enough out there, you do, you do a good enough job of it and people are taking notice. And, you know, that's how it comes about. They message you, you get an email. Do you want to come to New York? So, yeah, thank you. I would. I would like to go to New York for free. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, it's a free ticket to do some racing in a different country. Yeah, why not? Because when's it? Yeah, when's the opportunity to come again? Yeah, um, you know, I, I've always loved the the travel aspect of this job. You know, getting invited to events and and going to cool, really cool opportunities, like you say, racing against Lewis Hamilton, that kind of when you look back at that, you think, oh my God, like, wow, this is the craziest moment. And, you know, going to race at different uh, countries around the world and, um, you know, racing at the Nürburgring this year, you know, getting involved with that, that doesn't happen if I have no following. It, it happens because of many years of hard work. People take notice of your position on YouTube, how much sort of influence you have, to excuse the term influencer, but you are an influence. I do have some influence on the space. And so, they're going to take note of that and opportunities will come your way if if you have enough of a following enough of an influence yeah and i mean for you especially like you you're not what you're not someone that's been just racing on forza on a controller for the past seven years you actually you know, you've done karting i think it's different from like when i used to watch forza horizon 2 there was like it was you jack ultramotive ar12 those are the kind of channels i was watching and i feel like i think nick from ar12 he's just started doing racing in real life but you've been karting the whole time and it must be different when you like, get a chance to, you know, go to Nürburgring and the pits and they're just they're looking at you, Jimmy, and uh, you know, this, these sim races, but, you know, Jimmy's obviously, he's won a championship in Praga, but how did you feel getting into those situations? Were you like the, the sim kid going into a race or did you have that confidence going in because you knew you could handle yourself in, you know, in a vehicle? Yeah, I think uh, for me, it's, um, the, the situation for me in my mind is quite clear. Obviously, uh, you know, people looking from the out, from the outside in, who watch the videos will probably just think, oh, he's just a sim racer, that's all he does. But I know in my mind that I've been racing since I was 10 or 11. I've been racing since I was 11. I've had countless karting races in real life. Now I've done quite a lot of car racing, been doing a lot of sim racing, even competed um, on a world level on some games. So I know I, like, I back myself. I know that if I get into a car and get given an opportunity that I can drive that car, I'm not going to be the fastest immediately, of course, but I back myself, even if other people look in and think, ah, he's just a sim racer. Um, so this is definitely a weird part of the job, which is sort of being labeled in certain ways. Um, so people look at you, you are just a sim racer. And sometimes in the real life racing world, people don't like to get beaten by a sim racer. So, uh, you know, you're not always going to get the nicest reception in depending on how people perceive you. But um, the main thing for me is just in my mind, I know that I can drive pretty well. I'm, I, I back myself to, to drive okay. So um, that's, that's the main thing. You've got to go into the race and just drive the best that you can. What people think about you is um, it, it shouldn't really um, have, have an effect on how you drive in the moment in the race. Yeah, and that's, that's a good point. So your, your mindset in a race is that, I guess that's developed over time, but how has it developed? Like, are you looking at quite analytically? Are you just going in and having fun? How have you, how has your racing style developed over the years? I've definitely become a bit more analytical. Um, you realise when you get into a culture of motorsport um, that you, you have to be analytical. You have to work out what you're doing wrong and how to do it better. 
had a really interesting year in 2021. I was doing the UKC as a, as a, it's a national karting championship. And there's some very, very good drivers in that championship. And, and in that year, um, you're looking at telemetry, you're looking at data and I had very good drivers to compare myself to. And so you begin that process of, um, for example, like you go into a corner and you, uh, you break in a certain way and then you come off the break and then you, and you go into the corner and then you realize I'm breaking too much. I'm breaking the wrong way. I'm coming off the break too slow. I'm not carrying enough speed for the corner. So these ways of thinking just get ingrained in you the more you race and the higher level you race. Whereas in the beginning, it was very much uh, a case of, I'm just turning up to the track with my dad and just want to drive this go-kart around. Then he would ask, what's the kart doing? What's, is it good? Is it bad? And I didn't really know. I didn't really understand um, what to say to him. Like, did I need more acceleration? Did I need more top speed? Was it understeering? Was it oversteering? These kind of questions I, I wasn't very good at answering at the beginning. But as time goes on and you become more ingrained in the culture of motorsport, you, you learn, okay, right, here's how I answer these questions. Here's how I make the car quicker. Here's how I can go around turn three a bit faster. Here's how I can brake better into turn four or whatever it is. Um, so it just takes a lot of time and experience. That's the main thing in motorsport, but also just paying attention to um, the language people use and, and, um, and that kind of thing. Yeah, it's, it's also it sounds like along the way you're throwing yourself into your deeper, deeper challenges. Like it doesn't sound you're afraid to, you know, push yourself. Is and how, where does that come from? Where is it? Is that because you're competitive? Is that because you, you know you know that if you want to get better, you can't just stay still? How does how did that change your perception of, of racing as well? Yeah, I've always been quite keen just to um to be pushing to an another level. I think if you, if you're staying at a level where you're constantly winning, you're probably at the wrong level. You need to move up a level. So you should always sort of make yourself uncomfortable to some extent because otherwise you're not you're probably not improving um, so i've always felt that the best way to improve in anything is to surround yourself with the the guys who are better than you who are faster than you who are on another level and they'll kind of pull you up um so i've always been quite keen to do that and you know this year is a massive learning curve racing at the nurburgring there's factory drivers there there's like full-on factory drivers who drive a bmw porsche these are the best of the best so to be on the circuit with them, to have conversations with them, you, you, you just learn so much. You learn so much talking to these kind of people and um, that is so valuable. Yeah. And where does that come from then? You know, this, this, you know, this competitiveness is like you just, you know, you've, you woke up one day and you're like, I'm, you know, I'm going to beat everyone. Or is it kind of something you've, you've wanted to do? Like where, where are you exposed to, you know, being able to better yourself? I mean, my just overall competitiveness is hard to say. I think you're probably just born with it or you're not. Like my three siblings aren't competitive. They don't want to compete. They don't want to race. They were quite happy just to drive the car around when there was no one else on the track. Whereas I was always wanting to be in a race and try to beat the other people. So I think you're kind of just born with that or you're not. But over time, you kind of just learn, okay, yeah, I am competitive. I want to do more of that. And then you just surround yourself in that kind of culture. Yeah, I guess it makes sense because if you, you're looking at sort of the best people on track, and if you, you know, as you are quite competitive, you're looking at, well, he's better, why is he better than me? You know, and you, you guess you're being more analytical of everything. You're looking at everything and taking it all in. And it comes with, you know, when you're sim racing, oh, why is that guy ahead of like ten, two tenths ahead of me? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've had these questions so many times in racing. It's um, the beauty of racing is that you can directly compare to someone who's better. They are 0.3 seconds a lap quicker. It's like, how? What are they doing? And then you can try and work on it and improve on it. And it's just a very clear metric of time. Try to improve your time. And um, I've always quite liked that with racing. Um, the fact that there's clear metrics and um, and it just keeps you thinking in a, in a logical way. But when you're on the track, it kind of becomes a bit emotional as well with sort of uh, the energy to, to try to catch up with someone, that kind of thing. Um, so it kind of tests you in all sorts of ways, uh, motorsport, which I, I really enjoy. Yeah. And do you see yourself, you know, in, in races of the future, the, the championships you want to try, is there anything you're kind of looking at going, actually, I want to give that a go? It's a good question. I think um, it's really hard for me to tell where my career is going to go. Uh, you know, racing in the Nürburgring this year, I, I loved it. I love not just the racing, but just the culture of, being in the paddock on a motorsport weekend when all the you know all the trucks are there and all the 
mechanics and there's a buzz and there's an energy and there's the fans i i do really like that so i'd like to experience more of that perhaps in higher levels of racing in terms of gt racing gt4 gt3 i think becoming a, a regular gt3 driver would be the dream you know going down the direction of formula one that's probably never going to happen for me and i don't really have as much interest in becoming a formula driver anyway i think sort of gt racing would be the dream if we can go in that direction that'd be great it's not always gonna not gonna be easy probably won't be cheap but um if i can surround myself you know with that kind of company being in the motorsport paddocks around europe maybe in america who knows um then that'll be a direction i'd love to go in um there's been opportunities coming up and that's good you know i've, I've been asked by a couple of teams can you race for us here race for us there um not always been cheap so you know, for example um someone a team asked me to race in monza in a gt3 car a few months ago and i said oh, yeah i mean of course i'd love to but how much and there's thirty-eight thousand for a weekend you think okay, okay. <laughs> uh i'd like i'd really like to do that but i can't quite afford that at the moment uh so hopefully we're going to go in the right direction where that could be paid for in some way who knows? It's one of those questions that even I, I can't really answer. Um, but in five years' time, hopefully, we'll be we'll be able to, you know, maybe I'll have a sponsor who's plucking up the 38,000 every every weekend for me to go <laughs> racing. I'm, I'm sure you can find one of those guys. They seem to be coming off trees at this point uh, for people that want to get into motorsports. Yeah. Well, the money, I guess the money isn't, used to be there with, you know, tobacco and stuff, but obviously that's left. So it's a lot harder for you guys to find sponsors that want to go racing as well. Yeah, um, but this is, I suppose, one benefit of um, the position I have on YouTube, which is you have so many followers. Uh, what is it now? Like eight, 850,000 or something like that. And then like 100K on Instagram and 100K on Twitter. It counts for something. It definitely counts for something to have that. You know, if you say to a brand, let's put your brand in this video, I can pretty much guarantee 100,000 views on your brand that's pretty powerful i would say um so it's definitely quite a good position to be in you know that's a quite a big bargaining chip to say to a brand i can get this many eyeballs on your product um so it, it's definitely a route to go down um and uh, it's definitely an advantage to have that and i suppose maybe next year year after we will see exactly how we can utilize that because i haven't really done it yet i haven't really done a full season of proper racing where i've attracted a sponsor in order to do it and is, is, is this your point you know, you're, you're looking at your career and you're going you know obviously you want to do more races and that's fantastic and have, have you thought about you know starting a family or you know what outside stuff outside of your career like how what is the, the thought behind that for you i must be honest that um this career has been so all-encompassing of my life it really becomes an obsession where i'm just doing it every day pretty much every hour of every day so it can be quite tricky to think about just your personal life outside of that. Um, I've got a girlfriend. We've been together two years now. And, um, you know, I would love to become a father, have a couple of children and have that family life. As for when exactly that's going to happen, I don't know, but I'm 32 now. I probably can't wait forever. So maybe in the next couple of years, I don't know. So certainly something I've thought about but as I say, this job is so sort of takes every moment of every day that it's quite hard to kind of set it aside sometimes and think, right, I'm not going to do any YouTube today. I'm not going to do anything and just think about my personal life. Sometimes it's really quite hard to do that. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, I, I can't speak to all of that as like doing a podcast, but the amount of times I have to, I'm thinking about this podcast day and day out. I'm like, okay, how can I improve this? How can I improve that? You know, guests making sure that, you know, you guys have the right stuff on before you come on or, you know, I've done at least something to make sure that it's probably prepared for, but you meant, you mentioned something like before we spoke and you were like, you know, you feel like you're neglecting YouTube stuff. And, you know, the fact you just said you're, it's a bit obsessive. Do you, do you find it hard to, you know, separate yourself from what you're doing now? Yeah. Uh, time, this year has really come at a premium it's really hard to sort of do everything I, I i need two of me to kind of do this job sometimes like just for reference in the last sort of two months i've traveled to the nurburgring sort of four times to race and it might not sound like much 
but you travel there on a Thursday, you practice on a Friday, you race on the Saturday, maybe Sunday as well, travel back on the Monday, edit a video, that takes another day, that's the Tuesday. So it's taking like six days of my time to do one race and I've got to do four of them in, in a space of six weeks. So it's taken up like more than half my time, then I'm going on holidays with my girlfriend, then I'm trying to make YouTube videos, then Forza Motorsport just came out, I've got to try and make videos for that. And so it's just like, it's too much if i'm completely honest it, it really got quite stressful and quite tiring going back and forth to the nurburgring as, as uh as ungrateful that sounds to say to go and race the nurburgring i'm kind of getting bored of it all the travel but um yeah it was, it was definitely a little bit too much um having all of these responsibilities um so i'm quite happy now just to have a bit of time off from racing from the traveling just to settle down focus on youtube a bit more get some videos out i've been a bit more consistent in the last week or two and then you know i can do interviews like this it's, it's really good for me to do podcasts I, re I really like doing podcasts and i want to do more of them but unfortunately the time isn't always there and so i think we get into a point with this kind of job where you need a team or you need at least someone to be dealing with the admin that kind of thing or an editor because until now i've done everything myself everything all the emails, all the editing, thumbnails, all the racing, all the recording. So it's it's becoming a little bit too much, I would say. Yeah, but like you say, it's um one of those things where you've 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 done it with yourself for such a long time. It's it's kind of like nice you're realizing it in your body kind of has ways of you know, telling you to slow down. And I guess you you might find that you know burnout is a thing you experience. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, absolutely is. Um, I I experienced it quite bad during the the lockdown so we had the in the uk i mean i don't know where um what it was for everyone else around the world but um we had a lockdown in march 2020 that was our first one and it kind of went on and on and on like it was meant to be four weeks or something and it just kept going and in the beginning it was quite fine because i was just like well i'm at home anyway i'm just doing videos so it doesn't really affect me too much and everyone else was at home so now everyone's watching so you have to kind of capitalize on that and so the views were up, everything was up and I was getting invited to so many events because that's all everyone was doing, sim racing events. And it got really tiring very quickly because there was this, um, there was this incredible pressure to perform. Like you're a sim racing YouTuber, you've got to be good on every sim all the time. So I'm jumping onto R Factor 2, which I've never really played that much. And I've, you're kind of expected just to like perform and be good because it's my job, even though I don't play that game. And, you know, you're jumping into a, an event and people have been practicing for 500 laps in the serve and you think, oh my goodness, like, I can't, I can't compete with that. I don't have the time or the energy to be doing that. So um, burnout is definitely a thing that has happened. I mean, I'm not asking for much sympathy because, you know, there's harder jobs out there. I know that, you know, uh, if you're laboring on a building site for 12 hours, lifting heavy stuff, like, that's way harder i would say and you know i'm very open to that but um sort of this mental fatigue is very different um it, it definitely takes its toll and you know you've got to pace yourself i think in this job and i've always been careful to try to not overdo it because i know that i want to sort of extend my lifespan on youtube yeah and so this isn't, isn't something you're you know thinking about stopping then it's, it's nice to hear that you know you extend your lifespan is that you know do you want to go off into different is it, is it always me motorsport or the different avenues you want to take do you want a bit more vlog style stuff is there anything you want to explore it's a good question i think for the time being for the next couple of years i i really think there's more to come for you from youtube i can really expand it and start streaming again and uh, really push youtube to another level but um it is a solid point to raise which is what's your exit strategy are you going to be making youtube videos on forza motorsport 10 when when i'm 48 like am i going to realistically be doing that like probably not so i have to consider like what is the route out what what are the the opportunities and um there's definitely things i've been thinking about you know like representing car brands in in some way i have worked with bmw a little bit and porsche as well this year um so it's hard to know exactly what i'll do but um I think with um, with the following I've got and the time in the time in this industry, 
there's definitely some some sort of route maybe down consulting or that kind of thing um yeah it's certainly something i've loosely thought about but um haven't really cemented anything absolute just just yet yeah because at this point you're looking at you know starting a business like turning the the content creation into a you know a business that's running like and stuff like you know releasing merchandise we we, we talked about that offline as well like you were saying trying to get it right it's, it's, it's nice to hear that you know you're thinking about the product itself and the end user rather than going out and just getting t-shirts from taiwan and just slapping your face on them yeah uh, like you realize over time like at the beginning i just thought upload videos and try to get views like that's it i'm not thinking about anything else as time goes on, you realize, okay, okay, I'm going to try and diversify the income, make sure that we're trying to earn from five or six different things like affiliate links, merchandise, YouTube videos, uh, channel memberships, um, donations to some extent. Um, so there's lots of different ways you can bring in money um, in this job. And sometimes it's not nice to think about it as a business, but I think you do. You do have to think about it in an analytical way and realize, okay, look, this is my job. So I do have to, to some extent, take the passion and the love for motorsport out of it and just think, okay, well, what do I have to do to to grow this business? Because it is a business, essentially. And um, and merch has been the recent one, you know, um, partnered with Loche to try and do merch properly because there's been options for it with um, like Teespring and you can... Uh, you might have noticed on YouTube videos underneath it kind of has a list of products that you can buy from that YouTuber, but I've dabbled with that before and I didn't feel the quality was there. And so I kind of pulled the plug on it, but now kind of doing it a bit more properly. And I think the, the quality of the items I've got now is a lot better. The lot share of a good distribution system. So I don't have to deal with that. Um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely a multifaceted business. It's uh, it's, it's a lot to think about. But um, let's just put it this way. I wouldn't go back to my old job, um, even as <laughs> yeah. tiring as this is and like mentally draining as it can be. Um, I'm thankful for it. I'm very thankful for this job. And, uh, you know, I love it. I love I love the fact that when you're self-employed, you kind of all the time you put in, you kind of get it back. Um, that's not always been the case in, in a, when you're working for someone else. Yeah, and um, people say like work-life balance is a massive thing. But if you're, you know, if you're working with someone else, like you must have found at the beginning, like you you have that job in admin, and you're just you know you're there because they tell you have to be there. Whereas now you can be wherever you want to be, do whatever you want, and it's like you say you, the, you trade the freedom for the you know the time you spend. I guess. Yeah, for me, like freedom is one of the the biggest things. Um, it sounds really petty and really stupid, but I hated going to work at 9 a.m. because I just sit in traffic. Everyone's just dropped their kid off at school and now everyone's on the road. And so it takes, for it should be a 10 minute journey, it takes 45 minutes. And I, I hated that. Like I, I really hated it every day having to do that. And it's just like the ability to go, right, I don't have to do that now. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go outside at 9 a.m. on the road because it's just pointless. It's just that freedom. That's just one example. There's lots of ways you have freedom in this kind of job, but um the idea that you can escape that kind of um you must be here at this time to do this job that you don't always want to do um i, I think that's for me honestly is the best part of this job the, the freedom of it yeah and as you say it sounds like you know what you're doing is is working and uh, as we're, we're at the point at the end of the podcast where i sort of ask five questions um i'm just wary of time as well but yeah so at, at the point of um you know the five questions the first one is what is your ultimate three car garage Okay, I've definitely had a lot of thought about this one. I'd say a Porsche 911 GT3 RS, the new one, a Koenigsegg Agera, and or a third one. You know what? I'll go. I'll go for the Mercedes um, AMG GT Black Series. I'll go for that. Yeah, the, the, yeah, the, the, the orange or the black. They came out the orange, the solar solar flare. I think they call it the color. They called it. It's like it's a beautiful car. Yeah, um, I, I wouldn't mind it in like a, a nice silver to represent Mercedes, but um, uh, I think that would be a good, pretty good garage. I mean, not very convenient, not very fuel efficient, but um, 
very fun and quite fast. You're one track or road um, and one car. You can only drive it once. Where, you, where would you go and what would you take? Whew. Okay, that's, that's tough. I mean, if it was a track, I'd, I'd pick the Nordschleifer. Honestly, I love that track. Um, I suppose I would have to pick... I, I, you know what? I would pick the Sauber C9 Mercedes. Uh, it's the Group C Le Mans race car, and I'd race it around Le Mans. Imagine, you know, let's say it's sunset, you're at Le Mans, you're in a Group C car from the 80s, which can do, which can do 250 mile an hour. Let's just say it's the Mulsanne version without the chicanes. So we're going down there, 250 mile an hour, it's sunset. Don't think you can get much better than that. Because this podcast is, you know, to try and find out, you know, how people can, well, what people can do with their passion. And I kind of asked this question to figure out, you know, are you doing the thing you, you want to do? And the question is, if you could do anything, money, no object, is there a career or is there a path you'd like to take? Wow, that's a, that is a really cool question. I think, um, to be honest, I think just being a racing driver would, would be it. I, I would love to be like a full-time racing driver, but... Um, you know, it, it was something completely away from from ra from racing and motorsport, and what I do now, it's, it's hard to say. But maybe something to do with animals. I love animals. Um, like working to preserve animals, uh, or conserve animals uh, in the wild, that kind of thing. I think would be really rewarding. It'd be it'd be nice to be outside in nature, um, and you know, animals and animals are fun. I love animals, so something to do with them. Next one is, you know, the advice you would give to a person that wants to pursue something with a passion. Yeah, um, f for me, it would be, you've got you've to work hard. I mean, that's kind of a given in, in this day and age. You do have to work hard, but it's not always clear exactly what that means to work hard. Because I've, I've worked hard in my minimum wage warehouse job, but that was not going to get me anywhere. So you do have to pay attention to what is the right thing to work hard on so just be very analytical like, like why why did that guy why is that guy successful what's he doing that is better than everyone else why is that channel blowing up on youtube for example um why is he getting so many views is there, is there a certain thing he's doing um so i would say let's say you're trying to get big on youtube surround yourself with the right people follow people on twitter for example who talk about how to make better YouTube videos, how to get more attention, how to get better thumbnails, how to do all these things. So surround yourself with the right people, listen to the right people, follow the right people, and just constantly take in more information. Keep learning always. There's always um, books you can read. You know, I started reading a lot recently and it's not, not always reading books within the same, the, the, the thing you're doing. Sometimes it's best to read, sometimes it's good to read books just slightly outside of that as well. So just take in a lot of knowledge, a lot of learning, learn from the best and just keep doing it, keep working. And the last question, Steve, is what do you love most about motorsport? For me, it's the, sort of the pursuit of perfection. The idea that it's, it's, no one's ever done the perfect lap ever. No one's ever, ever done a perfect lap but the idea that you're trying to refine everything to chase that perfection and just be better. And that could be against all the other people in the race, but it can also be against you as well. You know, am I quicker than I was last time? Can I go faster? Can I be better than I was before? And then of course, can I be better than the other competitors in the race? So it's just this co constant pursuit of trying to be better, trying to be faster and it, and it, and it never ends. Um, yeah, I'm Steve. Well, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure to get to know you, your story a bit more. Um, and hopefully it's helped someone as well. Perfect. Thank you for having me on. This episode was a big one. I've been playing Forza since I can remember. And it's a game that led me to so much joy. And Steve's videos provided that for me as well. Steve, thank you for coming to the podcast. I really do appreciate it. And if you, like me, watch Forza, play Forza, or just are into sim racing and want to make a career out of your passion, or Steve did it. And like he said, they are watching. People do know to see you. So don't give up. Keep doing what you want to do. And make sure that if you're following your passion, well, it's going to happen. And so this is the Ignition Podcast. 
My name's Harry, and thank you for listening. Thank you to each and everyone who watches, listens, and shares this podcast. Without you and your support, we wouldn't have made it into the top 15 best car podcasts to listen to worldwide. So, if you haven't already, please rate the podcast on this app. And if you're listening to it on Apple Podcasts, give it a review and let me know what you think.